We've been talking about soul care the last couple of weeks. I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask him a question for me. Ask him this really important question. How is your soul? Ask him that. Come on. How is your soul? It's an important question. In fact, I, I would challenge you to throw out the old how you doing phrase that you lead with all the time to, hey, how's your soul? Just to throw them off, you know, just to, and, and act, in fact, just to really let them know you really do care. How's your soul? Soul care, it's a very important question. The Bible says, Proverbs 4, 23, above all things, guard your heart or your soul for everything you do flows from it. So we've been talking about the soul. What is the soul? And, and what is the difference between my body and my soul? And, and, and we said this a few weeks ago. I, I like to say it, and I think you should learn this, that you are nothing more than a spirit which has a soul that lives in a body. You're a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. What's a soul? The soul is made up of three parts, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, it's, it's, it's um, your thoughts, your will, it's the decisions that you're making, your emotions, the feelings that you're feeling. And that is going to be controlled by whoever rules your spirit. If God is the Lord, he's, he's the Lord of your life, you made Jesus the Lord, and then he controls your spirit. And from his spirit, now he controls the soul, the mind, the thoughts, the will, the emotions. Of course, if the enemy controls your spirit, then you're subject to all sorts of things that the enemy would throw into your soul. So guarding your soul is very, very important. In fact, your soul is the only thing that's different between you and a, and a dog or a cat or a horse. They don't have souls. They, man has a soul. When did man get a soul? Then on the sixth day, God created man. And what did he do? He breathed into And the word soul literally means to breathe into and God breathed life. He breathed himself, if you would, into man. And he received a living soul. And we talked about how the soul needs attention, how the soul needs nourishment. I want to rehearse to you before, uh, again, something that we've mentioned a few weeks ago called the one-minute pause. I want you to make sure that you really try to do this. It'll, it'll be a life changer for you. And I just want to rehearse this because it's so important. I was sharing with the, the firefighters this, mor this morning with Johnny Walker and our, and our team there at the fire department with those guys in our chapel service. And I said, listen, the one-minute pause is huge. Every day during the course of the day, just take one minute. If you're in the office, just put your head back, close your eyes. If you're, you know, uh, driving down the road, don't do this. But, uh, but, but if you do get home, then put your, close your eyes, put your head down on the steering wheel, whatever it is. If you're, you know, uh, doing, going about business, just take a pause and pray two things. Number one, just say this to the Father. Say, Father, I give you everything and I give you everyone. Because we just seem to feel like all, that we're responsible for everything, but we're not, and for everyone, and we're not. God is. I, Father, I give you everything, and I give you everyone. The second prayer, after you pray, just take a moment, just breathe, repeat it a couple times. And your second prayer is this. Father, fill my cup. Fill me to overflowing. I mean, there's one baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there's many fillings. We need to be filled and filled and filled. Why do you need to be filled? Because you're pouring out, you're pouring out, you're pouring out. So you, God has to come fill you back up. And so that's a very, very important, very important, very important prayer every day, the one minute pause, all right? And so then we, we 
we're talking about taking care of the soul and that, and, the, and that your soul needs to magnify something. We talked about the power of magnifying the Lord and praising God. And then last week we talked about the importance of water baptism. That's very important for the, it cleanses the soul and washes away those generational iniquities and removes that, as one person said, the dust of the old man. Come on, well, he came last week because I want to be baptized on worship night. We had worship night last Sunday night. We had a wonderful time, prayer and healing and worship. And he goes, I, I want to be baptized again. And I said, okay. And he goes, I want you to remove the dust of the old man. I'm like, I like that. I really do. And, and he said this, he says, I want you to hold me down so long that the water is just still before you bring me back up. He says, I've learned to hold my breath for quite a few seconds. I'm like, <laughs> okay, whatever, you know, I mean, we didn't really do that, but that's what, he was serious. He was serious about, about this, uh, this baptism. In fact, you know, powerful things can happen during acts of obedience. In fact, one guy that got baptized last Sunday night, he had, uh, he, he does a lot of construction and he, he, he couldn't close his fist. I mean, that's a bad problem when you work construction, you can't close your fist. He had uh, surgery scheduled for October and, um, and he went to the waters of baptism. He came out of the water. He just sat there for a, a few moments and just enjoyed the, the presence of the Lord. And, and guess what? He got, he got a healing and he canceled his surgery. Come on. That's amazing. I love to hear these stories about what God does. So, so the soul is really important, and it, it's, it's, it's what's run, really running your life at any given moment. It's, what, it's the engine behind, you know, the, the stuff in your life, and it integrates and enlivens everything uh, in, in yourself, and it's the very life center of your life. So I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about the fact that your soul needs a break. Your soul needs a break. Turn to your neighbor and tell him your soul needs a break. Would you just help me preach a little bit this morning? Your soul needs a break. Now, we all love this passage of Scripture. You, some of you probably memorized it, Psalms 23. And it goes, starts, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down into green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. And get this, he restoreth my, he restores my soul. Something that you've lost has now been found again. He restores your soul. Why, why is this chapter so important? Why is it like the most popular chapter in the entire Bible? Because it speaks to something I believe in all of us that we realize that we come to these moments that I need something to be restored. I've been trucking along and walking along and doing life, and, and I'm coming to this realization, I think I need to be restored. How many guys, don't raise your hand, but some of the guys here I know that, that you love restoring old cars. You probably got one in your garage right now, and your wife's telling you, please, fix that thing up and get rid of it. I, you know what I'm talking about. You, you, uh, ladies, don't, don't, don't laugh because you got a piece of furniture in the back, uh, coming come in the back uh, den, and you've been working. You're going to refinish this? Little, it's just still sitting there. We, we, we love these projects of refinishing, restoring things. It's just kind of inside of us. Uh, I was 
ran into somebody last week, and they love antiques. They love going antique hunting. And, uh, and, and, and they love restoring old things. Well, God is in the same uh, ministry as well, and he comes to our aid to restore something that has grown old or something that's grown decayed or something that's lost its fervency. And it's in the cry of every person. It's inside all of us. That's why we love Psalms 23. Oh, just to have my soul restored. Everyone realizes this. But we typically don't know what that looks like. And for many of us, it's hard to find that green pasture. It's like, where is that thing? I know there's that green pasture somewhere. How can I find that thing? The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 21, Thus saith the Lord, take heed, to yourselves and bear no burden on the Sabbath. I would venture to tell you that green pasture has a lot to do with the Sabbath. We're gonna unpack that for just a few moments, but I believe there is a, a space in your life where you, you sense that the burdens have been lifted. That you can come into this place in the Lord where you feel your soul begin to breathe again that you can come into this space where hope is enlivened and invigorated one more time. It's called the Sabbath. Hebrews 4 verse 11, let us labor or work, therefore to enter into that rest. Kind of like an oxymoron, isn't it? It's like social security or income taxes. It doesn't make sense. Work so you can rest. I want you to labor to enter into this rest. So we're going to talk about this, this, this Sabbath and, and, and the Sabbath day. So, so what is the Sabbath? Number one, the Sabbath is a day. Number one. It's not everything, but it's a day. It's, a, it's, a, it's the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments where the Lord says to us, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So let's talk about what kind of day this is. On your notes sake, you can write this down. The Sabbath day is a day of rest. In fact, the word Sabbath itself means to cease or to rest or an intermission, if you would. Some of you have probably taken long road trips before with your family and, and no, invariably, there'll be somebody in the car at some point go, hey, from the very back of the van. Um, is there a rest stop anywhere in the future? What they're trying to communicate to you is that they don't need a rest, but they need to, you know, alleviate themselves of the pressure that they're under at the moment. Think, when you think rest or the Sabbath, think of a rest stop, but a rest stop is not an ending point, right? I mean, you don't drive and say, hey kids, guess what? We're gonna take a vacation this week and we're gonna go to a rest stop. And we're just going to camp out and have a lot of fun. This is going to be a blast. This is going to be wonderful. You're going to love every minute of it. There's going to be dog stuff all over the ground. You're going to step in it. It's going to be wonderful. 
gonna be stinking latrines. It's gonna be nice. You're gonna love this rest stop. There were no, no. It's just a place for you to stretch your legs. It's a place for you to take a deep breath, to evaluate where you are, to look at a map there in the middle of the little center and see you are here and where you've been and where you're going. What it's gonna take to move a little bit further down the road. It's a, it's a rest stop, a place that helps you find the energy to complete the journey that you're on. Everybody needs a Sabbath. We need these rest stops in our life. Heard a story about a trucker and he went into a, the rest stop and he went into the men's room to relieve himself and as he was in his stall taking care of business, he thought he would call his wife so he's on the phone and he calls his wife and he says, hey sweetheart, how you doing? He goes, hey how, sweetheart, how you doing? And, and uh, the guy that stalled next to him thought that was a little unusual he didn't know. He was on the phone. He goes, uh, I'm, uh, I'm doing okay. The guy on the phone says, are you tired? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm not too bad. Uh, well, uh, when are you going to be home? Uh, a couple of hours, I think, you know. Finally, the guy goes, Sweetheart, let me, get, let me get off the phone. Every time I ask you a question, the guy next door keeps answering me. I don't, I don't even know what's happening here. But it's not a camping spot. It's not where you go to build a house. It's a, it's, a, it's a rest. You can't underestimate the value of a rest when you're on a long journey. You can't ignore it. You can't say, this has no importance in my life. Uh, there's a rest stop available, and guess what? It's only available to God's people. Not everybody in the world, that people in the world that do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior don't understand what a rest stop is. They just keep trucking down the road as hard and as fast as they can can. They don't take breaks. They just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. And you see their lives broken down on the side of the road here and there and here and there. And, and they think, Why, what happened to me? What, well, guess what? You didn't understand a very valuable principle that you need to take a rest stop. It's called the Sabbath. And God said, you need to keep it holy. Oh, yeah. That's what we're going to talk about for just a few minutes. I'm glad you're here. I want to welcome everybody watching online and from our county jail. We love you very much and glad you're watching with us this morning. But it's a place where your strength returns. It's a place where your hopes are renewed. It's a place where your joy is quickened. It's a place where discouragement begins to fall off of you. It's a place where vision receives fresh breath. In the Old Testament, God said this important, he made this little thing, a deal with the, 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 the people in the wilderness, the Hebrews, and they, they were crying out, they were going in the wilderness, they had no food, they had no ways of, of feeding themselves, so God allowed manna to fall from the heavens every morning. They would walk out, it was like frosted flakes out on the field, you know, just in front of them, and they would go with their little buckets, they would pick up this manna, and they would put it in their buckets, and, and some of them like, you know what, I, I, I wanna sleep in tomorrow morning, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna pick extra today, and uh, I'm just, so I can sleep in tomorrow, and uh, when they woke up the next morning, the manna that they had stored over for the next day was filled with maggots. God goes, no, this is not how it's going to work. I'm going to give you just enough manna for today, but on the sixth day, you're going to take twice as much as you typically would, 
Because you're not going to collect it on the seventh day. That's one day I will let you take a break and you will not collect it. And on that particular evening, I will not let maggots get into your bucket. And supernaturally, three million people would collect twice as much on the sixth day. On the seventh day, they would enjoy what they collected the day before, which they couldn't have done earlier in the week. And it was now fresh and nice and, and God fed them on the Sabbath. God fed them on the Sabbath. Sabbath. And you're here this morning because you believe and understand that God is doing something powerful. God has made provision for you to rest. That's what he was sharing with the Hebrews, and that they were nothing but a type or a shadow of things that were to come later. They were learning that God would take care of me even if I rested. That's why I so appreciate restaurant owners and business owners that close down shop on Sunday. I appreciate that so much. And I respect them, and it's no wonder why certain restaurants are blowing it out of the water with their income, even though they're shut down on the Sabbath. Isn't that awesome? We used to have laws years ago called the blue laws where you, you couldn't go to places uh, and, and, and to get, get something because everything was shut down. We need to bring those days back. But what I'm saying is no one can say, listen, I don't have time to rest. No one can say, I, I don't have time to take a break. I don't have time to keep the Sabbath holy. I, I, God will allow you a time to rest. But you've got to make it and put it into your life and your lifestyle. I was talking to a former bodybuilder this past week, and I said, what's the routine of a bodybuilder? He says, it's just three things. You rest, you get up, you train, you eat, and then you rest, and then you train. And then you eat, and then you rest, and then you train, and then you eat. You do that every single day, over and over and over and over. You don't do anything but those three things. I said, well, what's the big deal about the resting part? He said, because the muscles grow the fastest and the largest when your body is in a state of rest. It's not by accident that God restores the physical body in a place of rest as he does even the spiritual and the soul of the man. Secondly, we need to know that the Sabbath is a day that is sacred. Genesis chapter two, verse two and three, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had done, that he'd been doing, and so on the seventh day, he rested, God rested from all of his work. And God blessed, everybody say blessed. He blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating all that he had done. Do you know that I, God, God, God doesn't always go around blessing days, but he blessed this day. He made it different than any other day of your week. The word blessed in the Hebrew means to kneel. It's an act of adoration where you're purposely setting aside time and you're saying to yourself, to your family, if you're leading your family, even to perhaps business, uh, people that are in your business, if you're a business owner, you're communicating to them this day, this moment, this, this 24 hour period, if you would, is gonna be holy, it's gonna be sacred, it's gonna be an, a time that I honor and, 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 and I'm going to live my life in a way that reflects that. 
It's interesting, we can, we can honor other, other things and we think that's enough. We honor birthdays, we, we men definitely honor anniversaries, right? Don't you forget that one. You gotta honor that, you gotta honor that. We, we honor Christmas, we honor Easter, we honor New Year's Day, we honor Alabama football, we honor a bunch of things in our life all the time. We know how to honor things. We know how to make it sacred. Yeah. I mean, some of you all got a man cave that's nothing but Alabama or Auburn or something, and you don't walk into it without this sense of reverence. Come on. Don't, do, don't walk into my man cave with, a, with an Auburn shirt on. Don't do, disrespect my space, man. You know, you know how to honor things. We know how to keep things holy. And, and we are consciously on the Sabbath, on this day. We call it Sunday. Now, the Sabbath in the Old Testament was a Saturday. The reason we, the, the, the New Testament believers in the church chose to make the day holy of the week with a Sunday was because it was the day that Jesus was resurrected. And it's the first day of the week. And so they chose that to be the day that we made the Sabbath. But it doesn't really matter if you make Saturday the Sabbath, Sunday the Sabbath. In fact, really, every day needs to be the Sabbath. Can we just be honest? I mean, I, I mean, it doesn't need to be just one 24 hour. We, we need to make every day the Sabbath. I, I worship God on a Monday. I'll pray on a Tuesday. I'll love on God's people on a Wednesday. I'll, I'll, I'll get together on a Thursday and, and, and love on God some more and praise and worship the Lord. On a Friday, I'll do the same. On a Saturday, I'll love on the Lord. And then on a Sunday, we'll do this. Every day really is the Sabbath. I want to just, for your notes sake, tell you this. The Sabbath is a celebration of completeness. It's a celebration of completeness. And God did not rest on the Sabbath because he was tired. He didn't rest because he was worn out. He didn't rest because, man, making that elephant was just like too much. I got, I got, I got, I got to take a break, you know. That last star took it out of me. I, I got to take a, I need a rest. No. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, 28, that he doesn't grow tired or weary. So he didn't rest be, like us. We rest because we're tired or weary. He rested for a whole other reason. He rested because what he had set out to do was finally done. Let me say that again. He rested because what he set out to do was finally done. Not because he was tired. He, it'd be like the artist making this beautiful painting. And he sits back, he looks at it, and he goes, ah, and something, a little shadow here. He looks at it, and I think a little bit more sunshine here. And at some point, he looks at it, and he goes, yeah. And he puts his paintbrush down, and he says, it's, it's over, it's finished. One more paint stroke would, would have diminished the beauty of what he created. It's like the lawyer who, who argues his case before the court and he has eloquently and elaborately laid out the facts 
as best as he knew how to do before the court. And finally, with the last statement, the last sentence, he looks to the jury and he looks to the honor and he says, I rest my case. I can't say anymore. I can't do anything else. I've said the best that I can say. When God rested, what he was saying is, I have done the best there is. In fact, it is good. In fact, it is very good. I have made a perfect earth and a galaxy and a universe. He, He rested not because he was tired. He was rested because it was perfect. Isn't that awesome? Oh, we're going somewhere. He put within the earth everything the earth needed to replenish itself. He didn't need to get back up and go, oh my goodness, they cut down another tree. I got, I got to plant another tree. <laughs> oh my goodness, they, they killed another cow. We're running out of cows. I got to get back up off the throne, make another cow. Oh my goodness, the sun burnt up all the flowers that wasn't supposed to happen. Global warming's taking place. Oh my goodness, I got to do something. Here's some more flowers. No, God made the earth in such a way that it just naturally replenishes itself. You cut down a tree, five more come. Pull up a flower, 10 more exist. Come up on the ground. Kill a cow, three more are out in the pasture. God made the world so perfect that it naturally had a way to propagate and replenish itself. How cool is that? So I'm worried that we're going to run out of oxygen, cutting down all the Amazon jungle, we're going to all die of fixation. They've found that there there is a group of trees in Iceland alone, I've been told, that just with that one little group of trees in Iceland is enough oxygen that it produces for the entire world. Just a little clump of trees up in Iceland. We worry about things so, that, that, that don't even matter because we forget that God has everything we need. I was like, it's like the, it's like the presenter, he was doing a presentation and he said to this, group of people he was talking to, he goes, well, to our best recollection, we believe that the earth will run out of resources in three billion years. And a lady came running up to him as soon as it was over, and she was frantic, and she goes, excuse me, what did you say about the earth running out of resources? He says, yes, ma'am, we believe in about three billion years. Did you say three billion? He said, yes, ma'am. She says, whew. I thought you said three million. What difference does it make? You're not gonna be around. We, we, we get so worried about this world that we're living in and we forget that God made it so beautifully and so wonderfully that it just provides, it provides, it provides. There's more trees in America right now. There's twice as many trees we've been told by the forestry department in America right now than there were when the pilgrims landed. It's constantly replenishing itself. There's enough food to feed seven billion people. And if there was 14 billion people, there would be enough food to feed 14 billion people. It's not a problem of not enough. God will always provide, because my God is Jehovah Jireh, and he provides for all of your needs. So turn your neighbor and tell him, we're not gonna run out of stuff. (laughs) 
It's okay. Relax. Breathe. What if we run out of oil? And they already see it in one particular state that we have to drive electric cars. And then they just told, after they said we're mandating you to drive electric cars, that you have to watch how much electricity you use because we're running out of electricity all day. It's going crazy. <laughs> what do we do? What do we do? Just relax. I'm sure by some point, God will show us how to drive a car with water. I'm not kidding. Who would have thought we'd ever be talking on a phone, you know, and we can see people through thin air on a device? It's just a matter of tapping into it. God's all that we need is already in the earth. I'll have the worship team come, we'll close. The Sabbath day. Now let me finish with this important point. You need to understand, this is, this is huge. Your spirit is perfect. Some of you are like, oh, no, I, I know my spouse and I don't think that's true. No, no, I didn't say your soul, I said your spirit is perfect. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Do you know that you are the only new thing that God has created since he created the earth? He hasn't created another tree. He hasn't created another animal. He hasn't created another star. He said it's done, it's over. But when you gave your heart to Jesus, he goes, whoa, I'm creating something else. You are his new creation. <laughs> and like somebody said, when God made me, he don't make no junk. Now you may look like junk sometimes, and you may act like junk sometimes, but down deep in that spirit of yours, you have been made. Oh, y'all don't believe me. Come on, come on. Help me out. Down deep in your spirit, you've been made. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell him this is okay. You can believe this. All right, you can believe this. You've been made perfect. The job we have now is just to catch up with what we know to be true. I mean, really, that, that's the job of life. Is The job of life is to continually come into a further revelation of the perfection of our spirit and to line our soul and our body up with what our spirit already is. Okay, let me say it like this. Your spirit is as, a per, is as, as perfect now as it will be in all of eternity. When you, when you get to the pearly gates, heaven, whatever you want to make it look like, you stand before God, God's not, gonna, God's not going to say, well, here, number 38, here's your new spirit. Oh, I finally get a new spirit. No, no, you don't get any new spirit when you meet God. Your spirit is complete and perfect now as it will be in all of eternity. You don't get something new. It's already been made new. You are a new creation. 
which, what does that mean? That means, now this is going to blow your mind. Get ready. Just kind of hold your head just kind of like this because this is about to explode. That means that the fullness of the Godhead lives literally within you now. So y'all like, just, I don't know what he said, but it sounded good. I have no clue. what. The fullness of the Godhead lives within you now if you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior. You can't, you can't get any more of God. You can ask for God to reveal himself more. You can't say, God, I'm incomplete. I need to more completeness. He, he's given you everything. You, you are as complete in the spirit now as you will ever be. In fact, 1 Corinthians 2, 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have what? You got the stinking mind, it's not stinking, you got the glorious mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. A guy texted me here a couple weeks ago, he said, Pastor, pray for me. My wife and I need to make a decision. Should we stay where we're at and continue to rent here? Should we rent another place? You know, we just really kind of just don't know really what to do. And we've been praying about it. And you know, I said to him, I just felt like being honorary, I guess. I, don't, I just said, whatever you think you should do, do it. It was like, you know, question mark. Because you have the mind of Christ. If you think this one would be better than this one, go there. If you feel this one would be better than that one, then stay here. Just understand that you are walking with the mind of Christ. Now, you have to submit your mind to Christ every day. You have to renew your mind. That's a very important part. That's why you have to take care of your soul. You got to take, you got to nurture your spirit. You got to feed it. You got to take care of it. You got to guard it. But if you're walking hand in hand with the Lord and he's given you a perfect spirit and you have the mind of Christ, then it's not confusion. You just know, Oh, this is the way to go? I'm, I'm just going to go this way. Man, that, that takes a lot of pressure off of you. Some, some, some people don't even do anything because they're afraid they're going to miss God. And they do. 1 John 2, verse 20, you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. My, my whole adult Christian life must be spent learning how to rest in my completeness. But God's first, God's day of rest was my first full day of creation. God's seventh day was my man's first day. Y'all follow me? Adam woke up on the Sabbath, on the seventh day when God's resting. It was like, hey, woo, God, woo, this is great. I love this, God, what do we do now? God's like, we're gonna rest. 
Basically what he's saying, and then later on he's saying, now I want you to work this garden. What are you saying is everything you do, every work, every task, everything you set out to do must be done from the posture of rest. Are we okay? Is this too much for you on a Sunday morning? You're like, man, I don't get this. We, we must be so familiar with the rest of God that nothing shakes us. We're, we're not shaken because the wind blows the house. We're, we're, not, we're, we're not worried, we're not stressed out, we're not living in anxiety because we're learning how to walk out of that which lives inside of us. And I guarantee you, your God does not sit on the throne of your hearts and mind, stressed out, anxious, wondering what's gonna happen tomorrow. So Jesus kept coming and saying, look, why are you so upset worrying about tomorrow? Don't the, don't the lilies clothe themselves? Don't the birds, they don't worry about tomorrow? Well, you're much greater than a bird or a lily in the field. I made you my perfect prime creation of all the world. You have a soul. Why do you spend so much time worrying? Rest in me. Keep the Sabbath holy. And so with this, I close with this incredible verse we just started out with, Hebrews 4. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. So let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest. It was Hebrews chapter four, verse nine and 10. The book of Hebrews written to a group of people under persecution, don't know really who the writer is, but the word Hebrew means this, to cross over, to go from one side to the other side. Hebrews is about a people crossing over into a promised land in the Old Testament. But even more, it's about how Jesus is our great high priest and now we have entered into our promised land. The promised land was a place of rest. We, we rest, we rest in God's provision, what God has provided for us. I don't try to be complete. I just walk in the reality that I'm not working for victory. You've heard us say it over and over. We're not working for victory. We're, we're working from victory. We're not walking, trying to get victory. We're walking from a place of victory. I don't try to be complete. I just allow completeness to flow from me. I just allow this, the Lord, the God of rest, this, this, the Lord, keep the Sabbath holy. Come to a place where you allow your soul to breathe and you give things to God and you, you, you alleviate this pressure that you've been walking under. Just rest in the Lord. I don't work for my salvation. 
As Patrick said, I don't work for my miracle. I don't work for my healing. I don't work for a blessing. I work from the blessing. I work from the place of the miracle. It's a finished work of Christ. We say it all the time. It's a finished work of Christ. Then if it's a finished work of Christ, work from that. Make every effort to work or enter into or labor to enter into your rest. I'm going to work from a posture of victory. I'm going I'm to labor into this place where I'm resting in the Lord even though my, my soul feels fragmented and it's going everywhere. I'm going to discipline my mind and that my spirit is going to take over my mind and my thoughts is going to allow me to rest in the very hand and palm of God. He has my life in his hands. Amen. I want you to close your eyes for me just for a moment. I know some here here, and you haven't perhaps had rest in a long time. Life has been hard for you. There's been a desire to know something other than the life you've lived. It's been full of heartache perhaps, perhaps pain. Most of all, you'd have to admit there's been this deep hole, an empty spot in your heart that nothing can fill. And God brought you here to this point this morning to communicate to you that there is nothing that will ever fill that hole except for him. Once you come to a point of saying, I surrender all, I give my life to Jesus. Lord, take complete control. Until that happens, you will live your life to your last breath in conflict, in pain, in hurt, stress, and anxiety. So the eyes closed and heads bowed. I ask this question, will not embarrass anybody. Just want to see a hand. I'm going to pray for you right where I'm standing. Say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus. I want to invite him into my heart. I want him to be the Lord of my life. Right where you're sitting, would you raise your hand? Yes, I see those three hands back over on my right. Come on, keep them up. Yes, sir, on my left. Anybody else? Come on. Yes, sir, over here on my left in the stands. Anybody? Yes, sir. See that? Stadium C in my right. Anybody else? Come on. I'm, yes, sir, I'm inviting Jesus into my life, into my heart. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. With those hands lifted, I'm going to ask you to join me in a prayer right where you're standing. I call it a prayer of salvation where you're inviting Jesus to come into your life. Now, this is a very important prayer. It's not just some little statement you're going to make. This is what you're saying. I, I'm surrendering all. I'm turning over everything to Jesus. It's not going to be me anymore. It's not going to be me anymore. If you can say that in your heart, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In fact, I'll ask all of us to join with me in this prayer. I want you to say this, Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner and I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart and take complete control. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give a little thanks for those people who raised your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen.
quickly before we pray one more prayer, I want to pray for everybody. I just want to say this, those that did raise your hand, we have a box, uh, excuse me, a little Bible that we want to give you, some material that you uh, can take with you home. It's in the lobby, a little ta table outside. We want you to take it as a gift from us. Get you plugged in. Make sure you're part of journey class, first, second, and third Sunday of every month. So I want to say one more prayer for all of us here before we're dismissed. In fact, I'm going to ask the prayer team to step out and come to the front. In a minute, if you need prayer for anything else, you just come and they'll pray with you. But I want us to pray, because I, I believe that, that God is asking our soul to rest. And I think some of you here this morning, God has been speaking to your heart, and you realize you've had an anxious heart, an anxious soul. And he's asking you to enter into a place of rest. So together, today, together, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you've given us an incredible opportunity through the finished work of Christ to enter into your rest. A complete work. Nothing that we have to work for. I, I, there's some in here that you've a panic attack. You've you've been like borderline panic attacks. The Lord is just speaking right now, and He's He's saying, "I'm delivering you from panic attacks. Just give it to me right now. Just give it to me right now." Come on, it's a, it's, a, it's an act of surrender. Some, somebody's been struggling about a decision to make. Scared to make any decision. Afraid to be the wrong one. And the Lord's confirming to you, I've given you my mind. Now walk in my peace. Let my peace be the final say in your decision. Hmm. There's some, some here this morning and you've been really concerned about your children. And you're even, you're somebody here, you're just like, man, I just, I'm just, I'm afraid my child, I'm afraid they're gonna die. And there's been this fear of your child dying without Christ, not without even knowing the Lord. And the Lord is coming to you right now and he's saying, I'm giving you, I've given you peace right now, I'll give you rest. Enter into my rest. I've heard your prayer. I've heard your intercession. I have your child. I'll protect your child. And I'm working in your child's life right now. Rest in that. Rest in that. So Father, we just together as one body just make every effort. We labor to enter into that rest today. And we thank you so much that you've given us this incredible, incredible opportunity. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.